My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people that are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I will be speaking with Carol Woyak and Noelle Somerville. Grassroots' effort to change the world is often treated as exclusively the province of the young. Notwithstanding the crucial role that youth play in movements the world over, this stereotype manages to combine being wrong with being dismissive of almost every element it contains. The way it's usually intended gives a flavor to both activism and youth of being a bit foolish and both things that one outgrows. And while at the more obvious level it contrasts that with the wisdom of age, it also implies a certain incapacity and a certain disengagement that are hardly complementary to older adults either. And, as I said, none of these things hold up to scrutiny. I originally got in touch with Carol and Noel because they are members of the Seniors Action and Liaison Team, or SALT, a grassroots group of older adults in Edmonton who organize around seniors' issues and around questions of social justice more generally. In the course of the interview, their involvement with the seniors' task force of a group called Public Interest Alberta also emerged. They spoke with me about SALT, about some of the issues the group has tackled, including the woeful state of elder care in Alberta and the general erosion of democracy in this country, and also about the tactics they've taken up, from pamphleteering to a successful occupation of an MPP's office earlier in the year. We spoke by Skype to phone from Edmonton. My name is Carol Woyak. I'm a member of the Seniors Action and Liaison Team, otherwise known as SALT. We're concerned with social justice, and there's lots of things to be concerned about. I joined in about 2007, I think, after a lifetime of working in the bureaucracy of the provincial government and being involved with the union, which is an equivalent bureaucracy, actually. I was really looking for a, an organization with people who had some shared interests with me and sort of a free spirit approach to the world. I understand that SALT was formed in the mid-90s when Ralph Pine was taking away our social programs and blowing up hospitals and firing nurses and doing all kinds of things that we all agreed were pretty sad. What interested me particularly about SALT was that it doesn't have any ties to any government funding or any corporate funding and very much approaches issues from the perspective of how it affects real people in their daily lives. My name is Noel Somerville. I'm a retired educator. I've been retired since 1997. I, too, am a member of SALT. I'm one of the vice chairs, like Carol, and I've been with that organization for 10 or 12 years, I guess. For the last 10 years or so, I've been involved with Public Interest Alberta, and I am currently, and have since its foundation, been the chair of the PIA Seniors Task Force. The structure itself is just so neat. It's a group of seniors 
There are probably 25 or 30 who come fairly regularly. There's a core group of about 20 that come to our twice-monthly meetings very regularly. The membership is open to anyone who wants to come. If they don't fit in, they soon go away on their own, but it's amazing what we can learn from people who have different experiences and views of the world than we do, and so we value that. We have people who are scientists who worked for the government. We have teachers, of course. Nurses. Nurses. We've had doctors involved. My own background is twofold with unions, which others share, and was working for the provincial government and with human rights. So it's a wide variety of perspectives which can make for some interesting discussions. We pay for the rent of our room from a senior center by each of us putting a dublumi into the pot at each meeting. We've dealt with many, many different issues over the years. I personally tried to revive the 19th century practice of pamphleteering, (laughs) and we produce pamphlets on particular issues. We've dealt with things like the deregulation of the electrical industry, which uh, occurred in Alberta in the 1990s, and many other issues related to the whole issue of democracy and how our society is organized. The organization of SALT is quite informal, but we do have what we call watching briefs, so that if anyone has a particular obsession, as I do with elder care, for instance, We can claim a watching brief and we're allotted times to report to the meetings. We also occasionally get little committees together to produce more formal documents exploring an issue. One of the issues that we did like that was a brief on long-term care, which we produced, I believe, in 2008. And we tried to assess what was happening in the province and what the government thought was happening, which are two different things with respect to elder care. So, in a way, we're documenting also the history of all the social programs and social concerns in this province. You've mentioned a few different kinds of issues that you've been involved with, so I'd maybe like to explore a couple of those in more detail. One of those is seniors' care or elder care. Tell me a little bit more about that issue and why it's something that both that group and I believe also the task force that Noelle mentioned have felt it important to be active on that issue. Because we've all been aware, some of us have been involved with the elder care system in this province, which involves, of course, health care, pensions, economic issues, housing, transportation, all kinds of issues, particularly, I think, with the issues around care and support, whether that's social care or health care. Many of us have experienced that and found it to be sadly, sadly lacking. The whole issue of seniors' care in Alberta, it's been in decline for two to three decades, I would say. And the reason it's been in decline, and there are several reasons, is number one, the imminent increase in the percentage of seniors. The government looks at this and gets worried about the fact that basic health care is taking a larger share of its budget than it would like, and it has to try and cut that back somehow, and it's been cutting it back in services that are not mandatory under the Canada Health Act, and it is free to do as it wishes with. So it has been tinkering with many aspects of seniors' care, 
It has not been building long-term care facilities to meet the growing need. It has not been providing home care sufficiently. It has been trying to tinker with the PharmaCare plan for seniors. And there have been all of these efforts to reduce expenditures on the backs of seniors. There's two aspects of that that are particularly worrying. And one is the stated vision of our Conservative Party in government that people should be responsible for looking after themselves and should rely on the government for assistance only when they can be classified among the deserving poor. It's very much, of course, a Victorian holdover. And that doesn't work, of course, in real life, especially since the poverty rate among seniors, even in Alberta, for instance, was brought under control basically with the federal pension plans, but it has been increasing since 2007 because those pensions haven't been keeping up with the need. And the other thing has been the increasing corporatization or privatization of facilities and services. And they basically opened this up as an area of business. And it's a very profitable business. So we've had amazing responses from multinational corporations to provide retirement homes, which seem to serve in lieu of lodges and nursing homes. And people are left to pay outrageous expenses and to buy things in bits and pieces, which always makes it more expensive. There's also been deregulation, so that the government does not set standards, does not enforce what standards it has. There's no monitoring. There's no real place to go to when you run into problems. In terms of how some of these ways that the system is lacking, some of the ways that it's deteriorated over the last several decades, paint a picture of some of the ways that that would have an impact on the everyday life of someone who is depending on that system. Well, you do without unless you can pay for it, basically. You will probably get some affordable housing, which will take all of your basic pension. If you wait long enough, because of course there is always a wait for this, you will get possibly basic home care services, but the range of those services has been decreasing every year. So, for instance, they might, in a desperate situation, provide someone to cook your meals but not to buy your groceries, which doesn't make much sense. They will provide basic health care services to you, but nothing that is rehab or nothing that will tend to maintain whatever abilities you do have or improve them. You have no therapeutic services. You can have a stroke which affects your ability to walk or talk and be left without any kind of rehab for those things. We have decreasing numbers of nursing home beds where you get skilled nursing care, theoretically at least, 24-7. And increasingly, the specialized care in those facilities, for instance, by registered nurses, by geriatricians, is less and less and less. We hear of nursing homes where there's 200 beds in two facilities where they have one nurse on a night shift. And how that person is supposed to monitor the care and well-being of those folks, I don't know. You don't get into the system unless your needs are desperate. So there's no way, if you're beginning to decline in some ability, whether it's dementia or physical ability or anything else, there's no way you can get yourself into a situation which will support what abilities you do have and probably prevent things from getting worse quicker than they absolutely have to. All of that is missing now. 
And it's very frustrating because even when you do get to a critical point of impairment or illness, the specialized care isn't there. A very good example of what has been happening is the area of home care. Everyone kind of agrees, the government and seniors, that what seniors prefer is to remain in their own homes as long as they're able to do that. The government likes that because it doesn't have to build additional facilities for them. But aging in place becomes very dependent on satisfactory home care. A year ago last spring, the government, actually Alberta Health Services, totally reworked the home care system. They asked a bunch of national and international corporations to come in and take over home care. And they assigned geographic regions of the city of Edmonton to each company and said, you're going to look after home care here now. In the process of doing this, they dismantled the current system, some of which had very good track records. They worked closely with municipal governments. Municipal governments subsidized some of those programs to some extent. All of that went out the window. And even if you believe in privatization, one of the big advantages to it is the competition that it creates. But there was no competition involved in what they did because they gave every company a geographic monopoly in a particular area. The standards of care dropped. The companies that came in tried to hire the care providers that had been employed by previous companies at a fraction of their previous salary and were not prepared to provide transportation costs for them. And we have no idea whether it has reduced expenditures or is costing more than it was before. We just know the quality of service is way, way down. What are the problems that go along with that kind of consolidation and privatization of public services is that we don't know what's happening because it's governed by contracts which are considered to be corporate secrets. So we don't even know what services they're supposed to be providing. We have no way of tracking how they're providing those services. Most of the people involved are so afraid that they'll lose even more that they don't want to complain about it. And we do have some people who come to us complaining that suddenly home care has decided to remove two-thirds of their service with no explanation, with no revised care plan, with no reassessment. Just, we think you can get by on less. But we have no way of tracking that, and there's nobody to complain to because it's all up to the corporation. So you can go and plead with them if you like, but it's not going to do you much good. Among the broader spectrum of issues that SALT has dealt with, what do you think is the one that's maybe occupied the most energy from the group, the most attention from the group, that isn't specifically a seniors issue, but is a broader social justice issue? I think what's happening to our environment, what's happening to our water, what's happening to our agricultural land, what's happening to the safety that exists in our air and water and land, what's happening to food, for instance, how pharmaceuticals are approved or monitored, all of those things have become issues. But I think underlying all of this is our terrible frustration with what's been happening with democracy. 
Yeah. You know, in, in theory, our government should be listening to us. We should be the ones to make basic policy decisions. We should be consulted and we should have access to information that will allow us to make informed decisions about these things and to have public conversations about these things. And that has all been lost and taken away. One of the things that worries me about that is that the usual voices we had to stand up for people who didn't have their own voices and who would have some knowledge of an area, which basically was our community organizations, they've been lost as well. They've been destroyed, and that's been ongoing since the mid-90s, and it continues to happen. So we don't even have the voices, the organized voices that can speak up. So we have to try to find ways to persuade the government to do more than produce a survey with limited responses which can be submitted to them after they've already made a decision. For instance, what's happening with Canada Post right now. And access to information, your ability to access it is declining all the time. The government seems to be operating more and more in secret and to find ways to avoid accountability for what it does. It's all ideological. I think you can blame something called the Chicago School for that, and we now have the Calgary School of Public Policy, which has educated people like Stephen Harper. And the backing there is the money, the corporate funding which established those facilities and which supports these people. And there's a lot of money there. And it's done to protect corporate interests, of course, and not ours. And that's really hard to tackle. It's hard even to get people to think about those things because I guess we're lazy, we don't know enough of our history, we don't understand how these things work. So part of our challenge is to help to educate people. And of course, Noel's pamphlets and our little demonstrations here and there, and, and we give presentations to people trying to get them to think about things in a larger context than their own personal lives because this is going to come to a very bad end if we don't change it. So in the face of the deterioration in seniors' care, in the face of the larger erosion of democracy, tell me more about the kinds of actions that SALT takes. We do what we can to try to let people know that we see these as serious issues, to give them information about it, and to encourage them to take some action themselves, to write to their MLA, to talk to their MLA, to write to the government in any way they can, to tell us how their experience with these systems are. We're a small organization itself. We don't have much money. And so we depend on our personal contacts and personal exposure. And so we do things like writing letters to the editor, Every now and then we do pamphlets or position papers and try to distribute them. We go to any event that we think we can get some exposure at, take along our banner and our pamphlets. We have in the last year been sponsoring political forums. Had a political forum earlier this year inviting representatives from each of the political parties who have sitting MLAs to come and talk about the revenue situation in this province and to debate whether we have a revenue problem or a spending problem. That was very interesting. 
And we had a really good turnout and very active audience participation, which offended the Tory representative greatly, but that's his problem. The other thing is that the kind of leverage we can generate, particularly in the Seniors Task Force of Public Interest Alberta, is maximized when you have as many different seniors organizations, some of which are very well organized. Several of these organizations have got communication media out to membership. And so through the task force, we're able to, once we've generated the kind of message we want on issues like long-term care, we can get this out fairly broadly to a pretty wide range of people who are affected and interested in those issues. It's been a very interesting process to get people within some who have a variety of particular interests and people within Public Interest Alberta Seniors Task Force who have, again, a wide variety of particular concerns to try to agree on a position with respect to some of these issues. That, I think, is something that we've been sadly lacking because we all do tend to respond to things in terms of our personal interests. But to get that kind of information out in the public and to give people ammunition with which they can approach their MLA or municipal governments or whoever is responsible or may be effective in changing things is very important, I think. One of the devices that we have been using in the PIA Seniors Task Force is we're trying to organize what we call constituency action teams. And these are groups of five or six people who agree to meet with their own MLA maybe three times a year to try and educate them on issues related to seniors' care in this province. One of the interesting things we tried itself was a series of monthly bulletins to MLAs, each one on a particular senior care-related issue. And what we tried to do in these was to provide some information about the program we were discussing and to talk about some of the concerns we had with it. Because a lot of these MLAs really don't know up from down when it comes to issues like senior care. Our favorite at the moment was done in conjunction with the Seniors Task Force, of course. It had to do with the threats to further reduce the Seniors Drug Plan when neither the health minister nor the premier would respond to us with our concerns about their plans. Over a period of several months, they ignored our letters and ignored our requests to meet, so we occupied the health minister's office in January of this year. This started way back in 2008. We had a health minister by the name of Ron Liepert at that point, and he introduced what he called the pharmaceutical strategy. And the whole idea is Alberta for many years has had a universal drug plan for seniors. Under that plan, seniors have to cover 30% of the prescription drug cost to a maximum of $25 a month, and the government covers the balance of the cost. And his view was that was no longer necessary, and he wanted to get rid of that plan. We battled with him for about a year, and he finally backed off and lost his portfolio. 
Last spring, the current health minister indicated in the provincial budget that he wanted to introduce an income-based plan for seniors' prescription drugs. We sat down in the seniors' task force and we developed a position paper on pharmaceuticals. We saw this as an assault on the notion of prescriptions being a part of a universal healthcare system. So we developed a position paper and sent it to the Minister of Health in September of last year. Didn't hear back, kept phoning his office, being told that he was looking at it and would be getting back to us. We finally got really ticked off in January, and as Carol said, we occupied his constituency office. We walked in there one morning at 10 o'clock. And once we were in the door, we issued press releases about what we were doing. We had a couple of kind of aces up our sleeve. One was a letter which then-Premier Alison Renford had sent to a seniors organization saying that under her administration, there would be no attempt to introduce income-based drug coverage for seniors because that was a very poor way to treat the people that had built this province. And the other was an assurance from the Minister of Health that he had no plans to do that either. And so we occupied the office, and all of a sudden we did get the Minister's attention. He was out of town at the time, and the Premier was out of the country at the time, but we got a phone call from him offering to meet with him on any of two days in the following month at our convenience, and we said, no, we were going to continue our sit-in because we also wanted to meet with the Premier. And he said, well, he couldn't speak to the Premier. (laughs) And so we just sat in. We continued to occupy his office, and when closing time came at 4 o'clock, his press secretary and his chief of staff appeared (laughs) to babysit us, and we settled down for the night. We were told that If we left the office, we would not be readmitted, and nobody could come in or bring us anything that we needed, including food. And what they wanted to do was to call the police and get us out of there. What prevented them from doing that was that the media had taken such interest that we had cameramen from different media outlets sitting around outside until about 11 o'clock that night. And so (laughs) it was not until about 12.30 that they finally called the police and two police officers came in and asked us to leave. Well, we know we had no legal right to be there, so we did leave. But we went home, had a night's sleep, and fortunately we had already arranged a news conference the following morning outside the office at 10 o'clock. When we got there, we found that the office had been closed, but we held a media conference outside the office, and we got two days of media coverage, and that was how we finally won that battle. You have been listening to my interview with Carol Woyak and Noelle Somerville of the Seniors Action and Liaison Team, or SALT, a grassroots group based in Edmonton, Alberta. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, or to make suggestions about topics for future shows, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link marked radio. That's talkingradical.ca. 
I'm your host, Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Sudbury, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, Gender and Sexuality, and Resisting the State, both from Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. Thank you.